When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Cheese and Podcast. This is Brendan, your host for the show. Joining me to look ahead to our final home game of the season against Brentford on the weekend and look at the managerial merry-go-round and all things Spurs. First up is Franco. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, just talking to Steve before we started about how even when things are rubbish at work, which things currently are for me, at least before you had Spurs to cheer you up at the weekend. But doesn't do it these days, does it? But I'm, I'm still quite looking forward to the last home game of the season and <laughs> to see what, what happens when the uh, the players do their lap of honour at the end. Yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting. The uh, the, the send off will uh, will Harry be shedding a tear this time? Let's let's, let's wait and see. Uh, <laughs> as Franco mentioned, we're also joined by the accountant, diver the five himself, Steve. How you doing, man? I am good. I'm good. Good to, good to hear that my uh, my nickname, my title from the YouTube show has carried over to here um, to more illustrious grounds. But yeah, I'm good, mate. It's um it's been a tough few weeks of work. It's been a tough season with Spurs, but Hopefully, uh, over the hump of work and, well, we've only got two more games left to Spurs. They can't, <laughs> they can't hurt us much more this season, can they? Exactly. The pain is over soon. Uh, seriously, look, like, David, you're, you, you fly bloody Concord still. Even though they've stopped Concord, you still fly Concord to US <laughs> like, all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> How can you complain about your work? You look like you have the best job in the world. So, well, so the guy sitting in Brazil. But like, dudes. Anyway, think uh, life's good. I, I uh, love life, life is good. I've had, uh, like, saying to you offline, I've got a gin and tonic in front of me. It's sunny outside. I've had a butter chicken curry for dinner. So, uh, life, life could be a lot worse. Yeah. Well, let's crack into it. Uh, news of the week is that Arnie Slot is now the bookies' favourite to take over. Some of the managers, some of the, the journalists, have said that uh, Spurs have held talks with him over the last few days. Um, so the for, the fine old boss, former DJ and model and guy who likes to ask Barbie to go party, Arnie Slot. Franco, are you hot for Slot? There's so much you can do with his name. I want him to join just with his name. Exactly. Like the, the podcast would be great. Exactly. You can dine out on that all day, can't we? Listen, I am just thoroughly effing bored um, of this whole manager shenanigans. It feels like we've gone back in time to Nuno again, doesn't it, where we're going to have 
nine or ten fucking favourites for the job before it's actually appointed, and it's probably going to be nobody that's mentioned along the way either. Um, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I'm not paying much attention to it. I go on Twitter, I just get annoyed. It's like people, any kind of rumour, it's like that gets discussed as if it's complete truth. So, yeah, you know, what happened last time um, is likely to happen now. It'll just get dragged out for time and then we'll get somebody completely who's not been linked for ages. Um, but Slot himself, yeah, I mean, why not? That's the sort of level maybe we'd want. He's not had the longest of careers. I could, I think um, I was commenting on the YouTube and I was saying maybe like five years is a nice sweet spot for a manager um, with a bit of European experience. But look, he's won a title. He's got European experience and he's fresh and hungry. Uh, on on that basis, you know, he, he ticks some of the boxes, but th- there's quite a few of them that tick some of the boxes. I think the problem is we just haven't really found somebody that that ticks them all yet. Um, Nagelsmann was probably that man, but <laughs> that's another argument, isn't it? Well, it's also like we, we, we've got the the question of the director of football to cover as well, and and in normal circumstances at normal clubs, the director of football would be the deciding factor when choosing managers, not the chairman. So, Diver, where are you with the uh, I mean, as Franco said, like he won the league with final and won it well. Like looking at the their season, so twenty four wins, seven draws, and one defeat. Also, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind. That. But obviously, the Eredivisie is is a different animal to the Premier League. So, are you are you hot for slot? I mean, I am, but I guess this this is a bit awkward given I'm on a podcast expecting to talk about the new manager. I wasn't expecting us to get anybody in until the end of a season. So kind of. I've let a lot of the noise and gossip and the rumour and the, uh, you know, everybody getting angry on Twitter about the fact we are going to sign Nagelsmann and he's not going to come, but then he definitely is and he definitely isn't. I've kind of let a lot of that go past me, but there seems to be a lot of smoke about Arnslot. So, you know, I don't, I don't watch his league that much, but, you know, I think it's only the second time they've won it in their entire history. Um, or maybe, no, this... Yeah, I think it's the only second time they've won it. No, this century, isn't it? Uh, the one <laughs> I was going to say, final, like the second or third biggest team. Yeah, in, in the thinking through. So I doubt it. But yeah, like he's he's done really well there. He's he's exciting. And he feels like somebody else from a team can kind of get behind a bit. He feels more likeable than a Mourinho or Conte, as you know, kind of world-class as they were. He feels more like a Tottenham manager. I don't think Mourinho and I don't think Conte ever felt like a Tottenham manager. Um, and I think I was part of the problem from a, from a get-go, both of them. He's unsullied, is what you're saying, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> he is, and it feels it feels like we're not... It feels if he came to us, it would be a, but like what Bren was saying, a R-level manager coming to a R-level club. Yeah. Whereas with Conte and Mourinho, I felt like, oh, wow, we've won the lottery getting these guys in. We have to bend over backwards and we're doing them a favour, paying them 15 million quid a year. Um, and that's kind of not the way it should be. I want somebody, it's a bit cliche, but I want people to be a club who want to be a club. No, agreed. I mean, that's the thing about appointing winners is with that, you obviously get the ego that comes with it. And I think mm-hmm. that was the problem that, is, that that sort of ego protection came into play fairly soon with both managers when things didn't start going right. Um, and also, they, we, we've Jose, who was a manager that was probably past his his peak Jose, if you see what I mean. He was sort of looking at things a bit differently and just moaning a lot. I'm just so sick of the moaning. I just want a manager that comes in and just gets on with stuff, backs his players um, and doesn't talk the team down constantly. I don't think that's too much to ask, is it? Mm. Well, today the managers of the season nominations were announced and 
uh, Stellini was scandalously overlooked. Uh, <laughs> he's been the assistant but, manager of the season category, I think. Yeah, uh, he ruined his win ratio, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, and one manager who was in there was Roberto De Zerbi. Um, he's one that, that if uh, listeners remember back to the Sandro podcast, that Sandro said was his managerial mentor when he worked with him at Benevento in Italy. And it's the guy that sort of convinced Sandro to get into management, that his attention to detail, his enthusiasm. Franco, is it? do you think we're waiting till the end of the season to, to the, approach him? Because I think there was a talk of a, a release clause in the summer being less than it would be during the season. And with managers like that, we've seen with Potter, like if you don't take your big chance, or we've seen Potter's probably the, the, uh, ruled the other way, but if you don't take your chance at a big club, he could... He could miss out on his chance. Um, possibly. It depends what you, what your character's like as a manager, isn't it? Because you, surely you'd back yourself. If you think you're good enough, then you're going to back yourself. You're going to get another opportunity. But I would be surprised because the way that football fans talk about um, Brighton is if they're sort of like the best run club in the world. So if they are, then surely he's going to stay there and take the opportunity. They've got a good chance getting into European football by the looks of things. They've had a great season. He's going to be riding high on that. But what I said is that generally what happens is these teams tend to get picked apart, uh, whether that's their players, whether it's backroom staff, management, whatever. The big clubs come in with the money and, and that's the thing they're always going to suffer with because Brighton aren't anywhere near as big as us and, and it happened to us in the early days when we were sort of trying to break into the into the you know European places. So it's, it's always going to be tough for him at a club like that. And it, I guess if he fancies himself, then maybe he will take the chance. Spurs, I don't really think are the are the best opportunity going. If I'm honest, because you know, what I mean, the things aren't great at Spurs. You can see that the fans aren't happy, the players probably aren't happy. There's all sorts of turmoil in the background. The media have finally latched onto Spurs being in a bit of disarray and you know eating out on that. So it's not a great situation. But then conversely, you might see that as an opportunity. Expectations are low. Uh, you know, morale is low. If he can just improve on some of these things in the background, then then great. But I think that's it for any manager. It's got to be attractive enough and more attractive than what they're currently doing. And the same goes for slot. Like, would you want to leave finals, Champions League football next year? Just won the league. Um, who knows? But um, look, they're the sort of managers we should be looking at. We just need to find the right one. And no, it does not surprise me in the slightest that Levy will be trying to save one or two million for the sake of it. Yeah, and like you said there as well, like if if a manager comes in and we do start to win stuff, just imagine his stature globe. Like like I did what Mourinho couldn't do, what mm. Conte couldn't do. Mm. That that manager that comes in. So like you said, if they back themselves and prove themselves and win at Spurs, who knows where yeah. where where, um, where they could go? You know. So it's we're not we are a basket case at the moment, but. The, the squad needs work, but mm. there's plenty in there to work with still as well. We've got players coming back. We've got a bloated squad in certain areas. So I don't know. I think the right man coming in, like you said, that wants the job, <clears throat> let's see how well they can do. Um, so have you guys seen the Kane mural? Yeah. Or no. Well, yeah. I mean, are you going to go and see it though before the game on this Saturday, isn't it? No. I don't care about it, Brendan, if I'm honest. It's a mural. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I'm not interested. I did feel bad because Daniel Markin shouts. Daniel Markin kind of suggested that it might be a, you know, a sign that he might be staying. But, you know, I mean, Kane's not going to stay just because somebody's painted his face on the side of a building. It doesn't even fit on it properly. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it's a nice gesture. It's great that we're doing some community stuff and whatever, but yeah, I'm just not interested. I'm, I'm too cynical at this stage of the season to give a shit about things like that, Brent. All right. Well, <laughs> Will Buchanan has done it on Art Attack or something. Would you be interested then? Like, it looks good. He's got the weird sort of corner bit missing, so he looks a bit like Will I Am, like with the hair, you know, the corner bit cut out. With it looks a, wedge. a bit funny there. Yeah, a little wedge. Um, but yeah, I, I think what Daniel's point was is that the, the club wouldn't be doing this if, the, if they knew that Kane was off. Yes, they would. Summer, this guy, this, they totally would, Brad. They've got no clue what to do. This is this, this is exactly what this current Spurs fucking man, like ownership would do. They would do something like praising Kane, doing something like that that's going to last for a long time, and then sell him because they have to. I, honestly, and, and yeah, I, I don't think it means anything. I think that if you look at how Spurs have embarrassed themselves over the last couple of seasons, they would. I don't see why this would be any different. I really don't. I mean, quite frankly, if we're going to say that this is a sign of Kane is staying, then we could probably look back to um, Paratici's you know, $2 <laughs> video. Yeah, exactly. 24 hours before he basically gets uh, gets sacked. Um, <laughs> I, kind of, I, don't, I, I get the point Daniel was making, but I'm, I'm hoping he's right, of course, but yeah. Um, but Bren, I, I will be delighted to see it. I'm going to bring enthusiasm to it to counteract uh, Franco's meanness about the mural. I'm going to look at it briefly whilst the drive down the high road park. <laughs> and I'll see it again, to be honest. Oh, God. Well, I think there, there are parallels, though, like someone pointed out on Twitter about Remember the season that we sold Bale? Yeah. He had there was this big picture of him exactly. in Times Square. So exactly, and everyone time. took that as a sign that he must be staying because why would we choose him as the face of? He was on one of the FIFA games as well that season, wasn't it? I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure he was on the face. I think he was the face of the FIFA game, and he was in Times Square, and everyone was like, "Yeah, he must be staying." No, it, <laughs> it means nothing. <laughs> oh well. well. This is really in the spirit of things, isn't it? Great. Uh, let's keep, keep keeping the cheery subjects going. Um, one Hotspur membership has increased. Um, I think it's 18% increase, Franco, was it? I don't, I'm, mine hasn't, though. Mine came at 50 quid. Like, is it 70 quid? Because mine, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if I'm renewing it. Is it 70 quid now? That's what I think 20%. so. I, I, I saw uh, somebody online saying 80 euros. So I'm assuming that would be about 70 quid, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it was an 18, 20% increase. It's just, this is the thing about Spurs. I just don't understand who makes these decisions because you've got an opportunity. You've you've frozen season tickets for the year. The Gooners down the road have done 5%, like they did 5% last year. So, you know, you've, you've got a bit of goodwill there and people think, great, Spurs are actually thinking about the fans. But then they go and put the... the the membership fees up and you get nothing for being a member really anymore it's just so pointless <clears throat> and to then include things like well you get a discount on the go-kart track do they <laughs> it's just i don't think they've got any idea about what people are moaning about they should just go on davo's twitter and they'll see what everyone moans about so they would see that go-karts are not something that the fans are thinking is a brilliant thing to be you know get excited about at the moment certainly a discount on the ticket prices for that and the Skywalk and whatever else and other third-party events like your Beyonce tickets. It's just, I don't know, it, it boggles my mind because a lot of the accusations that are thrown at them is that we are no longer a football club, we're an entertainment business. So when you start offering these additional things as part of a football membership, it, it kind of makes it seem slightly true. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, they probably should have gone back to the. You know, remember they had the mobile phone holders like the, with the QR codes. Do you remember that? Was that was that just me? They got yeah. I, I, with one of my packs. They gave it. But, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with Steve. What what are your thoughts on? I think your your ticket's gone up a bit as well. Um, uh, how are you sixteen sixteen percent of the tunnel club. Jeez, um, I'm on bread and water for the rest of the year, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I get it's annoying, and I think it's a poor judgment from the club. My um, my selfish view would be I don't get any discount on the go karting. Um, 15% increase this year so give me my, my fucking discount but yeah I think it's okay I'm an accountant so I'm supposed to be more objective about this stuff but you step back and look at it when around how much more money are the club going to raise by increasing the one hospital membership like bugger all like pro- realistically probably a week of Kane's salary Something like that in a region of that, and the amount of goodwill they'd lose, well, they they are losing over it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's frustrating, and there, there's there are many instances where we think the club is starting to do the right thing, and I think you know holding season ticket prices steady was a good decision, like good decision there, and most people applauded it. But then to make this kind of penny pinching decision, where you're just like. It's like, oh, you got us so close. You got so close to starting to get people on board even a tiny bit with the financials. And then you've gone for this almost petty play of, yeah. you know what? Didn't raise the season ticket prices, but we're going to add on, what, 20 quid a year to the membership. Yeah. And your point there, Steve, is right. Compare it to the TV revenue. It's a drop in the ocean. Like That's where the yeah. money's at, that Champions League football. So if you're really, you know... Concentrate on those. Concentrate on driving up your revenue from other areas. Don't focus it on hammering the fans when there's lots of discontent at the moment. Exactly. And, and the TV money is there for to show games with great atmosphere. Keep the fans happy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like do this. Just, it's just so counterintuitive to... The, the, what, like you said, the, the key driver of revenue, which is TV money. Yeah. Uh, you can only think that he's looking at... He's got all this on a spreadsheet costs and stuff because like like steve said well i mean it's even if it's i say say 10 pounds max it's 20 pounds all right say 20 quid it's gone up by you've got what probably not even a hundred thousand members that's two million pounds and then a load so, of people won't renew because of this so be annoyed by it yeah exactly two million pounds what is the point it just it's it's nothing compared to a revenue of over 400 million pounds is it yeah, and the, the, the these protests are increasing and they will increase with things like this so it's kind of it, it does, doesn't make any sense. The, the, I obviously watch uh, Spurs with Brazilian commentary, and they pick up on it. They say that oh, this big stadium, the crowd's very quiet. There are protests against the, against the the ownership. That gets transmitted around the world. Yeah. So it just it, it just oh, like I said, it just makes no sense. And, and the club are trying to improve things. The, the fan advisory board has, has been submitted now. The, the nominations are closed. Uh, as I said, I, I was considering going for it, but, but I'm supporting. Uh, Paul Fellows uh, to go for one of the positions on it because I was just like I devote a lot of my time to Spurs already <laughs> you know like an, an unhealthy amount of time and an unhealthy amount of headspace as well so I just for me it wasn't it wasn't the right uh, right time to, to go for it but it, it's it's a right move I think that it's uh, more engagement with 
a diverse uh, groups of fans can only be a good thing. So mm. hopefully a, a success. And I wish everyone that goes on the fan advisory board to 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 get as much out of it as possible to represent the constituents that you're you're representing. So be it the one Hotspur members or the season ticket holders, the overseas supporters clubs, the, the domestic supporters clubs, Spurs ability, proud Lilywise, etc. It's we've got a, a great diverse fan base. So bring the concerns to the club. Tell them that we're not happy with how things are going and that the club and point out the mistakes and make sure the club are accountable all they need is just oh. any any fan just right we're going to do this what do you think no it's a bad idea oh okay thanks that's it like easiest job in the world just get me i'll just do it on a part-time consultancy basis anytime they're going to do anything <laughs> phone me up is this a good idea no it's not okay fine we won't do it problem solved but I think I think you make a great point, and this is where I'm at with the protests. Kind of, um, you know, I don't particularly support the protests, but I support their right to do it, and I understand the frustration. But protest for something that can happen, you know, protesting for Daniel Levy to step down as chairman, mm. it's not going to happen. Like, no. there could be thousands of people sit outside, and it's not going to happen. Yeah. A kind of protest for you know change in how the club communicate or you know protest for the fact we want you know Bill Nick's gates somewhere or you know statues or something like that that is change that we can actually affect mm. I think people are just going to get very frustrated and even angrier than they are if that's possible given current state of Twitter in protesting for stuff that's never going to change just no. kind of you've got to take a knee and to take an NFL saying, you know, take a knee and suck some stuff up. That's not going to change. Don't let it bother you. Like, Enoch are not going to go until they want to go. No. A couple hundred people protesting or 20 people protesting isn't going to change a course of a business that's worth $4 billion. But what it might do, if there's more people behind it, it might change how they communicate or yeah, it might have changed kind of how they're promoting the one hotspot membership and whether they're increasing prices and that type of stuff. So I think... The fan advisory board will be absolutely fab. Yeah. I think the problem is it's getting to the stage where unless people do start voting with their feet, nothing's going to happen. Because the thing is, you look at politics and the protest of politics, it's it's normally because a policy has been uh, drafted, it's been proposed, it's going to go through. People get sight of it and get wind of it before it's actually been brought into law, right? So you get chance to protest and the people get to show that there's opposition to this. But Spurs, it's not. It's opposition to something that's happened. I mean, it's already done. So it's just anger. It's just a vent of anger. And and we feel like we've got no say in any of the, the decision-making process. So yeah, of course, the Fan Advisory Board. But Brent, I mean, you, you probably know this quite well. It was mentioned two years ago, I think, in... in Levy's end of season fan address or whatever he calls it, it was it was mentioned then. It's taken them two years, and I don't really see that there's a lot that needs to be done in the background in order to organise this. It's just like they've just sat on it for two years until stuff's got so bad where they're like, right, now's probably time to announce that we're going to get through with this fan advisory board and, and get them off our back a little bit. Problem is, like we know, it's a non-executive position. It's probably got little teeth. It's it's more like right, we're going to listen to what fans want. But the fact is they don't consult with fans at the moment. And they did when we moved to the stadium. They asked us all about what ticket prices we'd be willing to pay, what sort of drinks we'd like, what sort of entertainment we'd like in the grounds. They were happy to consult with us in that situation. 
everything else, I don't think they've got any interest in really doing it. Not, I mean, they're not going to come to the fans and say, do you think we should put your membership prices up? Because the answer is going to be no every time. So they just do these things knowing that nothing's going to happen. And honestly, the only way things can happen is if people don't pay for their membership. Personally, I see that the value in it being eroded anyway. I don't see any point in it. I think it's going to be easy to get tickets if you want next year, just with a CRN number. Um, no European football likelihood. So membership next year is probably not worth that much to most fans. Probably not. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, the, 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 sorry to jump in. The Fan Advisory Board was was launched in response to the European Super League. So when that kicked off and there was the debacle afterwards when they all retracted and, thank, and that was when um, the Premier League, I think, said that the clubs need to implement... Um, a fan engagement process. So I think Chelsea were the first to do it. We've taken a while to get ours done, and and but I think that there has been work going on in the background with the trust, uh, certainly in in getting uh, diverse representation, but also ensuring that it isn't just uh, a place to to fob different fans off. That that, that that it does have a genuine say in how it's run, and there'll be a review after a year mm. uh, to see the, the effectiveness of it. But it's. Like I said, it is positive, um, and I wish everyone that goes for it the very best. Sorry, Steve, you are going to say something? Um, well, the main, the main thing I was going to say is, to be fair to the club, I think they were waiting for the outcomes from the um, <coughs> fan-led review of football governance, led by yeah, the government. Yeah, um, so they, kind of, they, they probably could have communicated that better. Um, but my understanding from the club is they were waiting for that to kind of come to fruition and see what the out- output of that would be, and then engage properly with the fans. So hopefully... Hopefully it'll be positive. Yeah, well, let's move on then to the Brentford game. Uh, it's Saturday, isn't it? I know I should normally check these things. And Early it's one Saturday, as well, Brent. Early one, 12, 12.30. Oh, so that's 8.30 here. So. <laughs> so I can't get too drunk Friday night. I'll miss it. Um, <laughs> so Frank, how do you feel? First of all, just on the atmosphere. It's so the final game of the season. Do you think... How do you think it will be? Do you think it will be? I remember, like in the nineties, when I went, we our last game of the season, I think, was against Newcastle or something. And we we just survived relegation or something, and there was such a happy atmosphere. It was great. Like it was, there were conga lines dancing up and down the Paxton Road end. It was, it was expectations were different then. <laughs> yeah. um, how do you think the atmosphere will be uh, uh, at full time with the laps of honour, etc.? Pretty damp, I would imagine. Uh- I think that the you know the the protests are trying to happen. There's various Twitter groups asking that we don't spend any money in the stadium or don't even go to the stadium pre-match, which um, I don't think will many many fans will go along with that. But yeah, I, I just I think it's just a bit of an angry place at the moment, and it's going to be very difficult for the players to sort of go around the pitch at the end, knowing that most of the fans that remain, the ones that stay, which I think will probably be a record low as well. The fans that remain aren't particularly happy with the season we've had and don't, don't think much of the performances the players have put in. So it's um it's a difficult one. This is this is probably like the worst feeling we've had at Spurs for, for quite a few years. Uh it's gonna be one of our worst finishes in the league for quite a few years as well. So yeah, not great. 
And it, again, it probably depends on the result. The, the one thing we've got going for us is that Ivan Tony can't can't handle his gambling problem, so um, he won't be playing. So there's you know a good chance that we might actually get a result. Yeah, Steve, how are you feeling for the game? Uh, as as Frango points out, the big news coming out of Brentford this week was that Ivan Tony has had his ban confirmed uh, just in time for our game, which has caused some mm-hmm. bright and fun and to, to... <laughs> for those conspiracy <laughs> theorists. Yeah, the conspiracy theories are out in force that, that he's... Uh, it, the thing is, he didn't even start their last game that they won against West Ham. So uh, let, how, how are you feeling for the for the game, Stephen? Who, who is the danger man for you? Um, well, before I answer that, in terms of um, the kind of feeling around, I think it's going to match the weather. So the weather is supposed to be kind of overcast and gloomy. Mm. I think that's exactly what the atmosphere is going to be like. Um, I mean, the game... Yeah, you, you made a great point. I mean, I saw the Brentford-West um, Ham game and Brentford could and should have scored more than two. Um, they, had a few, they had a few more good chances. So I think, I think it'd be proper Spursy for us to go into this and thinking, you know, their top score is out. Um, yeah, and mm-hmm. we're going to absolutely walk it um, because, you know, in Vemo... Uh, going for how to pronounce that before the show. Um, and I still don't think I've got it right. Uh, but they're number 19, let's call him that. Yeah, he, he's a decent player and he played well against mm-hmm. Stokes um, at the reverse fixture. And he, he looked dangerous, although his finishing was hilariously woeful at times, um, as was Sanchez's defending memory. Um, so, I mean, they're a good team and they're playing well. And they've had a reasonably good run of form. Like either way, I don't think there's going to be many goals. If you look through kind of their their results, there's a lot of, okay, finally last game was 2-0, but there's a lot of 1-0s, 2-1s kind of either way. So I think it's going to be quite tight. Um, I think my fear is if we go down early on, the mood the mood is just going to shift very, it's going to get very negative very quickly, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, Franco, they're ninth currently in the table uh, after an excellent campaign on 53 points they they can't go above us though I was like oh shit if they win are they going to go above um, they'll be on 56 we'll still have 57 um, who, who have you seen much of Brentford like I'm, I'm from that part of London I'm from sort of northwest London and uh, my first ever football game was a, a Brentford game which I got for free when I did a Brentford football soccer soccer summer soccer training thing at my, my primary school in north out shout out to the st rayfields crew anyone in there that you're worried about there's oh um damsgaard's back he's been a bit of a flop though i think they spent quite a bit of money on him um after the euros he was quite good in the euros mm-hmm. like in 2021 i think it was but well, how are you feeling going into this <sighs> yeah i mean i'm uh, we should still go out there and get a result i really do think we should damsgaard's not a bad player Jan Elt's not a bad player. Jensen's not a bad player. They've got a good midfield. And the thing that worries me is that 4-3-3 they play. They're, they're going to have an extra man in there, etc. I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that say it doesn't make any difference. But um, I think it will. And, and we've just got a decision to make. Basuma looked quite good when he came on um, in, in the previous game. Mm-hmm. It's whether Skip retains his, his uh, place, whether we do something different in the midfield. There's, there's decisions to be made against them. But... Listen, them them missing Tony is still a big deal. I know they won the last game. I know Bremer's good. They've got Visser and they, they play Sade. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, but most of, most of the listeners won't get it. Um, so they, their, their team is pretty threadbare once you get past that. I don't think they've got 
um, sort of a, an out and out striker replacement. Visserin and Buemo normally play either side of Tony, don't they? Um, so yeah. this has kind of gone went central in the last game. So listen, they're a well organised, decent team. They play better football than us, but I still think on the day we're, we're probably going to have a, a bit too much of them. Um, so I'm not. Yeah, I, hopefully we can get a final win at home um, for the last game of the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's my point. If, if Ivan Tony uh, was a bit of a, a better smooth operator, he might not have got caught for all the betting that he did. There's my little side eight joke. Did that work? No. Kind of. <laughs> um, so we did ask the Facebook group for questions. So Cheese says, thank you for sending in your questions. Let's go through a few of them now. Uh, first up, Dave Bolton. Shout out to Dave from Boston Spurs, a regular podder as well. How many people will stay in the stadium for the second part of the doubleheader? As you know, there's the, the Spurs ladies game straight after the, the end of season merry-go-round. You guys going to stick around for it? No. Oh, diver. Controversial, Franco. So I'm going to stay for three reasons. One, um, in no particular order, it's an open bar for nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> there is no chance. Um, I'm leaving. Two, I can't leave because they're not going to open a car park until after the uh, women's game finishes. So I can't. Really? Leave. Yeah, apparently. Um, typical Spurs organisation. I can't. I can't actually leave the stadium. Uh, for any police officers <laughs> listening, or anybody wants to shop me, I drive there. I don't drive home. Um, in case you're wondering how the open bar and the car park work together. And then, you know what? Shoot me down. I quite enjoy watching a women's game. Um, it's just. Obviously, I want them to win, but I'm less invested in it. And it's quite good physical football. Like, I quite enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be staying to watch it. Um, and I'm hoping quite a few people do. But the club the club are currently planning on, it kind of shows where their head is in terms of numbers. They're planning on um, moving everybody down to the lower tier only. Yeah. So we'll have the lower tier open. And I think, like, what they do at, um, for the double headers at Twickenham, It'll just be a case of go find a seat. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. No, I would I mean, say there'll be, I, I reckon there'll be about 10,000 left, max. Well, it's quite a big gap, isn't it? Because it's two hours after the men's game finishes until kickoff for the women's. Um, and I know obviously you've got the lap of honour or lap of dishonour, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> um, but kind of, it's a long time for people to stay around. Yeah, it is. And that's it. Most people will want to go to local pubs and stuff like that and go and do whatever. I don't think they're going to want to stay around. Could be wrong. If we if we were playing well, like the, the women's team, we're, we're 10th out of 12 yeah, in, in the WSL. Well. We're not playing very well right now. So if the, and our form is loss, draw, draw, loss, loss. So we're not in, in the best one of form. Um, so, but look, fully support Spurs ladies and fingers crossed we do get a result. Simon Rylander, do you think we can poach Thomas Frank? I think he'd be the ideal type of manager for what we need right now. Also, do you think the whole Tony affair will work in our favour, at least from a psychological point of view? So, Diver, would you would you go for a bit of Frank? I would, but I don't. I don't think the fan base would. So, I, I think I think to get the fan base on the side because you know European managers, European players are inherently more glamorous than anything the UK offers up um, in terms of people who have been in the UK. Obviously, no, he's not British. Um, so kind of, I think if we if we got Frank in, I don't think people would see it as a big name manager. 
Whereas I think, you know, if we get like slot in, I think they'll see kind of the glamour of a European manager coming in, somebody who's just won the league, and they'll get behind him quicker. So I think I think both are probably comparable in terms of skills. And personally, I'd be happy with either. But I think for the wider fan base, I'd go uh, with somebody like Slops. I think he'll get fans on board quicker. Yeah, yeah. Like Frank is, it's just, it's, it's, there's a bit of the Nuno about him, you know, sort of came up mm. from a sort of well-run club from the championship, got them up and sort of established them as a Premier League club. But it's echoes of Nuno, almost sort of identical to to, to Nuno. Um, so, yeah, yeah, not for me. Question here from John. Shout out to John, who basically does everything when it comes to the YouTube channel. <laughs> you do well, John. Um Thoughts on Basuma, especially after his cameo last week, uh, showed, showed how much Conte stiffed him. Do you think he'll start, Franco? Um, it, yeah, probably. I think I would start him. I don't know whether he'll start, but I think I probably would. <clears throat> like The Skip and Hoybier thing, like, we both say that they they do good things in matches and that they show signs of this and they show signs of that, but I've still got question marks about whether they work together. I find it too negative, a midfield pairing. Uh, I whilst they can go forward and they can play passes every now and then, I just don't think they do it enough. Now, whether that's under instruction or whatever is, is to be argued, but I think that Bissouma looks a bit more comfortable on the ball than either of those two. Um, and I think he's a bit more progressive and a bit more forward thinking, even if I wouldn't say it's massively um, evident. I still think that he, that he is. So yeah, I would like to see him play. Um, I think he's had a tough time of it. Not, not getting in the team for ages and this injuries hampered him when he could have been getting games. Um, so, yeah, I think I think starting him is probably the way forward. Um, and, yeah, I feel bad for Skip, but he was probably the one I would drop. Yeah, same. Skip's not been great like last few weeks and, and Basuma was superb. I thought, I thought it was probably the best we've seen from Basuma in his, his cameo last week. And so, mm. yep. so um, yeah, it, it was... we, we got to just give it a try. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I think I think the crowd. Well, Steve. So I just can say, in terms of probably maybe what you're about to say, Brent, in terms of the crowd and the atmosphere, if we've got Skip and Hoiberg in place, who, as Franco says, they're quite negative, and if they're going to be doing backwards balls and sideways balls all the time, the crowd <laughs> are going to get onto us in our last home game. So I think having you know Basuma, who's a bit more progressive and forward-looking with the ball, will just hopefully kind of like help alleviate that a bit and he, he played well enough to start um when he came on against Villa so I think he should he was my one one a uh, ray of sunshine against Villa to be honest yeah well question here from Ryan Horst shout out to Ryan hope you're well mate um what are our realistic realistic expectations for next season Franco just bearing in mind that we don't have a director of football we don't have a manager we don't know if our star strike is going to be here all right uh, what do you want next season cheers Brent I wouldn't have considered any of those things otherwise <laughs> Jesus yeah look uh, as I've said for the last couple of weeks there's a huge amount to do this summer I don't think any of us could have any idea about when it where it's going to go from here um like literally, I've got no idea. Do you, what players do you think we're going to have next season? What managers think we're going to have? What setup? Will we have a director of football or not? All questions that are yet to be answered or are, you know completely unclear at the moment. Will Harry Kane even still be here? We don't know about that. So look, there's so much to do. We've got about 50 players on loan. Some of them are going to come back and need to be sold. Some are going to come back and might be integrated. We've got players that um, we need to get rid of who have come in and not been particularly successful. And we also 
clearly have some gaps in the squad where we need to buy some decent quality players. There's a huge amount to do and I've been saying that for about three seasons now. I don't really have a huge amount of faith that we're going to do it. Um, but, you know, it just feels like if we don't do it this summer, then seriously, things could go really bad for Spurs. I know there was an article, I can't remember who it was by this week, saying that Spurs are no longer one of the elite, but it it, it doesn't take long to get back into it when you're where we are. Um, you know, Chelsea have had a bad season, but nobody's saying the same thing about them because they spent loads of money doing it. Uh, look, we just need to make some astute signings. We need to get some good stuff done. And that can happen. We can start off the season a bit more positive next year as long as we get things right. But at the minute, you know what I mean, with the fan base as it is, with the negative negativity around the club, I don't think anyone's expecting us to do much apart from try and fight for European spot. Um, and we, we should be expecting more than that. We've seen with, with Emery's impact at Aston Villa that it doesn't take much to turn it around. No. And, and our squad's better than Aston Villa. I think we can we can all say that fairly confidently that yep. we do have a better squad than, than Aston Villa, better players. And with the right manager coming in, it, it doesn't need to take three, four years. It can be, it, it not, maybe not immediate, but, but through the progression of a season. So... Um, yeah, just final question here, and thank you to everyone who has sent in their questions. Um, one here from Mark. It's kind of what what um, what we've just been saying for you, Steve. Looking at our squad, it isn't as bad as people seem to think. Um, what we'll, I think what we're doing during the summer is a keep, sell, buy, loan sort of going through all the players. Um, but surely this squad just needs a bit of a bit of refresh. Uh, too many have been damaged by the last few years, and a clear out would not be a bad thing. Take we can. Um, I can't really get the question there, Mark. But yeah, well, I think his point is that the squad it needs work, but but uh, it's not. We're not we're not panic stations right yet. I still think that we've got a lot of quality in that squad. Do you, Steve? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we've got we've got a we've got a reasonably decent squad, and we're certainly not we're not at that. Our squad is not as bad as our performances show, um, and I think you know if we. If we got two decent centre backs in, and you know maybe a you know decent attacking midfielder from a, a Midlands team that's going to get relegated, you know we wouldn't look too bad. Um, and then obviously you've got some decisions to make about you know the eighty-seven players we're coming back um, off loan, um, and maybe kind of keep them. You know, like Geo, a new manager could you know kind of rejuvenate him in the team. And I think there's still a player there. Could there be Dombele? Probably not. Um, but, you know, we've got people coming back and we haven't got a terrible squad. With some, this is what I hate to say, with some good additions made early by the club, which we often don't do, we could be in a, you know, in a much better position. Um, like you said, I was going to mention Emery as well. Man on man... You know, we're, we're a better club, we're a better team than Villa. And yeah, mm. I, it looked completely the opposite when we played them. And that's down to kind of, you know, the, the psychology of a club, you know, the management as well, and the training, obviously. So kind of, if we get that right, you know, I don't see why we couldn't challenge for something. Not the league. I mean, City are so far beyond us, it's unreal. Um, and beyond all, I mean look how they dismantled uh, Real Madrid. They're beyond most teams. But um, I think there are some positive signs for next year, believe it or not. Mm. And again, I said, this is the final, final question from, from Aaron Peters. Franco, 
do we want European football next season? Would, would a break from European football be a good thing in the, in that we may give the domestic cups a bit more of a go? That the, like as we saw against Sheffield United in the in the FA Cup, we went out because the players just couldn't be asked. Whereas if we're not in the Europa Conference League or Champions League or Europa League, it gives them a bit more focus on the domestic cup. But where where are you on you? Are you Pro Europe or are you are you Brexit? Do, do you listen to the pods, Brent? <laughs> <laughs> you always tell me you do, but I've I've literally said this for like the last three pods. I think I am firmly out of Europe. I just don't see the point in it. I don't want the Europa Conference League at all. I'm not even too fussed about the Europa League. Um, I mean, I am. I'm not saying it's a, it's a rubbish competition, but we don't take it seriously. And whatever manager comes in, I firmly feel that um, it will be a lot easier for them without distraction of rotating a squad for these game midweek games unless they are willing to just you know play the kids play the reserve players and and kind of use it to our advantage which i don't think we do um and i think whatever happens we, we just make such hard work of these european games so for me like it's a distraction um i think we could do it a year without it okay the thing is you are always saying that you enjoy the european away days so yeah but that's just me being selfish if you ask me to look at it from what's best for the club point of view then yeah i honestly think that probably would be um of course like i'll i'll be bored midweek but when i look back at our european endeavors in in the sort of non champions league seasons it's just boring the games are boring you could think oh great we've got the team we're going to smash them and we just struggle to to you know win one nil or something so yeah, they're not as enjoyable as I, as I think they are. And um, yeah, I could do without a season of spending loads of money just going for one night in Europe. It's just <laughs> one year off is all I'm asking for, Brent. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and yeah, we're kind of leaving me unemployed as well as the midweek host. So. <laughs> no, it just means you have to do more of the weekend ones and I can have more time <laughs> off. Perfect. Fair enough. However, are you, are you pro-Europe or Brexit? I am, I'm on the fence. So I think I'm... I'm pro Europe. Well, for selfish reasons, I'm pro Europe. So, like, I like going to the games, and we get European games included. So, kind of, it's another three, four, five, six, however many home games I've got included in the ticket price. So, the accountant in me says that makes every game cheaper, right, on average. Um, mm. So, that's a good thing. However, and I think if we had the right manager and the right attitude. We could go through and we could win something like you know the uh, Europa Conference League, and although it's not a top level trophy to win, it's still a trophy, and I don't think we're in a position as a club to really be looking down on any competition, whether it's ECL or League Cup or whatever. However, my constant fear of all of this is is that we'll do what we do every season, not rotate our team. Mm-hmm. And we won't do particularly well in the Conference League, and it'll be really boring to watch, and it will impact our league games. So I think if we approach them properly and rotate the team, get some of our fringe players playing, get some of our youth playing, give them the opportunity and take it seriously enough to progress, but you know, don't put Harry Kane out in every game, then I'm for it. If we do what we always do, which is put out pretty much our first team and still fail to do well, then I'm not behind it. Yeah, I, I'm happy to have a break from Europe. Like we, we're, we're in the Champions League this season. We've been fucking miserable all season. So it's not like it really impacts our enjoyment or happiness. So yeah, give it a, give it a break. 
Let's do a Chelsea in 2016-17 when they won the league because they didn't have Europe. Let's go. Come on, slotty boy. Get, get, get us the league. We've been going for 45 minutes now. Um, so, guys, uh, thank you. Thank you, Franco, for joining. No worries, mates. Um, yeah, hopefully we get a win this weekend and I'll be podding about it on Saturday night. Cool. Steve, thanks for joining. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure as always. And yeah, looking forward to hopefully two Tottenham wins on Saturday. Gosh, two Tottenham wins that'd be amazing two Tottenham wins on the same day in the same stadium it would be fantastic so do look out for the YouTube crew there'll be there'll be videos out previewing the Brentford game just as we have now uh, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts like subscribe comment and tell your friends and as ever come on you Spurs come on you Spurs come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.